Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with you, as always, with my good buddy Rich Hill as week eight is in the books. We are officially halfway done with the 2019 season, and the Patriots are 8-0. Rich, not going to lie, it feels pretty good to be 8-0, but at the same time, I'm going to sound really spoiled here, but are you bored at all of all this winning? Are you sick of it, or is it just me? (laughs) I feel like I've been bored with most of the games this year, if I'm going to be quite honest. I feel like uh, this past week, when they're playing the Browns, I missed the the first quarter of the game because I was out shopping and I came back and they're up 17-0 by the time I turned on the TV (laughs) and this has happened multiple weeks in a row it happened against the Jets last week and it it reminds me I don't know if you remember the World Cup game that happened between Germany and Brazil when yeah Germany put up like a billion points in the first five minutes of the game and then it's just like well what am I supposed to do for the rest of it there's no excitement it's like it's not just a comfortable win it's like a boring win because they're out there just running out the clock and i feel like that's been every single week for the patriots this year outside of that game against the bills where they weren't playing particularly well on offense and i'm just hoping that this will finally be the stretch of the season you know one week before the bye week that the games will start being a little bit better to watch well, this has been the stretch Evan has predicted as the toughest stretch on their schedule. They really haven't played anybody good this year, save for Buffalo, who lost 31-13 to to the Eagles. From a Patriots perspective, that Bills-Eagles game, which was a loss for Buffalo, and the Chiefs-Packers game, which was a loss for Kansas City, had the most Patriots playoff implications, both good results for New England. Uh, the Texans beat the Raiders, unfortunately, and the Colts barely beat the Broncos yesterday. That would have been a nice little sweep if those results had been the opposite way. But looking at the Bills-Eagles, Rich, I'm not sure if you watched the game at all, but was this kind of a uh, classic, it's late October, Bills start out hot, turn to a pumpkin, or is this kind of a, a freak anomaly, one-week deal? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a few big plays. They, they allowed a 65-yard touchdown to Miles Sanders that really busted that game out open. And, you know, halfway through that third quarter, it was still just like a 17-13 game. Uh, you know, they had a blocked kick, so it could have been just a one-field goal game. And so the game just really got away from Buffalo at that point. But that said, they've never been a great team this year, which is important to distinguish. They're a good team. They're in a very weak AFC, they are a good team. 
but they were never as good as that 5-1 record suggested. They have a, a very, very meager point differential of plus 12, which would usually indicate that this is like a 4-3 team, not a 5-2. So they've been very fortunate with mixed field goals. This is a slightly above-average team. They have a great defense and a subpar offense. You saw it against the Eagles, and I have to expect that this is the type of Buffalo team that we'll see for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's happened. Almost every season, I feel like uh, a buddy of mine, I went and watched the the game at a bar, the Patriots game, and a buddy of mine there is a Bills fan. And he says uh, every year the Bills start six and one are the years they've made the Super Bowl and lost in it. So he was actually pretty happy that they're now five and two and not six and one, because that means they're not going to go to the Super Bowl <laughs> and lose. So he's, he's actually cheering that one. Uh, the other game, like I mentioned, is the Packers Chiefs game. Chiefs without Mahomes, I think, put a pretty good fight. It's still a very explosive offense. Matt Moore did pretty well. Aaron Rodgers just did what Aaron Rodgers does and kind of stayed for a little while, then pulled some throws out of his rear end to make everyone ogle the splendor that is Aaron Rodgers. But Chiefs lost at home again. The Patriots now have a commanding lead on that number one seed in the AFC. And unless something absolutely drastic happens, Rich, over the next eight games of the year, I find it very hard to foresee a scenario where New England does not have home field advantage about the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we can run down the roster right now of uh, the rest of the playoff picture. We're at that midway point. Makes sense. Might as well. The Colts are currently the number two seed. They're 5-2 and two right now with Jacoby Brissett. They needed a 51-yard field goal from Adam Vinatieri to beat an awful Broncos team. And this is not a Colts team that should really be scaring too many people. I mean, they're, they're also, they're like the Bills. They're an above-average team. They have sound fundamentals, but they're still a year or two away from being that complete team that could possibly compete in the postseason. But they're currently the number two seed. Number three seed, Baltimore Ravens. The Patriots are playing them this week. Uh, we will break that down on our Thursday podcast, but they have a very exciting offense. Their defense hasn't been the same Baltimore Ravens defense that you have come to know and love, but that's because they've had to face a lot of injuries in that second level. They've had some turnover up front with personnel, but they're kind of getting back on track. They've acquired Marcus Peters to help solidify that secondary. But again, they are a 5-2 and two team. They're fine. And then with the Chiefs, they've had that injury with Mahomes. There's a potential chance that he's going to miss this upcoming week against the Vikings. If they fall to 5-4, and four, there's no way they're climbing out of that hole to get that number one seed against the Patriots. You've got the Bills and then the Texans. Texans are losing J.J. Watt for the rest of the year with a torn peck. So those are your top contenders, unless you really believe in the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Tennessee Titans, which I would be shocked if anyone did. But maybe they'd sneak in in that sixth seed if the, the Texans fall apart or if the Bills start a downward path. Of those teams, Alec, I don't think any of them could really contend for that top overall seed. Uh, in particular, the Ravens are the only one I would give a chance because they have that two game. Uh, they're only two games back, and if they beat the Patriots uh, this upcoming week in Week 9, there's a chance that maybe the Patriots would drop another one and then the Ravens would hold the tiebreaker. But they just have the Patriots just have such a big lead over the rest of the conference. I don't see them not being the number one team. 
No, neither do I. I think the Patriots have the inside track and should keep the inside track. We were talking before the podcast actually started. Even if things go really, really wrong for the Patriots, I mean like really, really wrong over the next eight games, they still got the Bengals, Bills, and Dolphins to close out the season, which are going to be three wins, uh, especially because the Bills will be at home uh, at Foxborough. They don't lose to the Bills at Foxborough. So that's the worst-case scenario of 11-5, and five, which honestly this season, it was enough for the two-seed last year. It might be enough for the two-seed this year too, and that's assuming the absolute worst-case scenario. I think the floor for this team right now is probably maybe 13-3, and three. Uh, ceiling. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to 16 and 0 because I don't want them to. But I think a 14 and 2, 15 and 1 to 13 and 3 season is very much in the cards. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones that I would want to highlight are uh, at Ravens, at Eagles, and at Texans. Those are the three. Uh, you know, clearly road games. Patriots just dominate while they're at home. I would be shocked if the Cowboys came into New England and beat them. And then the Patriots always seem to beat those AFC teams at home. So that's the Chiefs, Bills, and Dolphins. So on the road against the Ravens, I you know, something could happen. I think Lamar Jackson is a stellar player. He's one of the brightest young quarterbacks in the league. So curious to see how the Patriots defend against him on Sunday night football. But the, the at Eagles is probably the one that I would like to look at coming out of a bye week, you know, Super Bowl rematch. Uh, I, I would say this could be the, the big trap game for the remainder of the season. But if the Patriots get past that Eagles game, I, I mean, yeah, I would be shocked if they lost more than one of the, the games beyond that. So this is going to be a pretty comfortable finish for the season for the Patriots. And I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see them rotate a lot of players, get some of the younger players more experience and try to keep their top level players as healthy as possible, because it's very rare that you get that eight and O head start for the season and have such a big lead going into that second half of the year. No, it's true. And it's funny, one of the teams that was really supposed to challenge the Patriots for AFC supremacy this year was a team in Cleveland by the name of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they shellacked the Browns 27 to 13 this past Sunday in a game that wasn't even that close. In May or June, whenever the schedule came out, everyone had this game circled. The Browns were the offseason darlings. They were big contenders, potential Super Bowl picks for some people that get paid a lot of money to cover football. And this game was over in the first quarter. Like you mentioned, uh, three plays, three consecutive turnovers, and not only three consecutive turnovers, three consecutive ridiculous turnovers in that <laughs> Nick Chubb had the ball kicked out of his own hand by his own lineman. And then he ran at a great run, outran the entire Patriots secondary, only to have Jonathan Jones punch it out at about the five-yard line. And then I want to start with this one, Rich Hill. I thought I'd seen it all when in 2010 Dan Connolly returned a Packers kickoff to like the four-yard line with the old loaf of bread carry on a special teams bungle. But I never thought I would ever see a defensive lineman intercept what's basically a handoff. We saw a lineman intercept a handoff against Cleveland, and if that doesn't sum up the Browns, I don't know what does. Oh, totally. I mean, we've seen – a few times with Vince Wilfork dropping into coverage. That's one thing. If a line, if a defensive lineman drops back into coverage and makes the interception, I'm just, you know, I'm astounded and I'm happy for them, but I'm not confused. <laughs> when Lawrence Guy goes through the offensive line and literally just gets the ball tossed directly to him, 
I'm more than a little confused. I have no idea what the Browns were thinking there. Lawrence Guy had no idea what the Browns were thinking there. It was just a series of unfortunate events that I have not seen uh, accomplished by a team against the Patriots since probably the butt fumble when they had that series of, uh, you know, Patriots scored like a 85 yard pass to Shane Vereen. Then they had a fumble off of the kickoff and then the butt fumble, like all in a row. There was the Patriots scored like three times in 45 seconds, something absurd like that. This, you know, you don't have that capstone like the butt fumble. This was just as absurd. No, it was. And it's coming off of the 33 uh, nothing beatdown of the Jets the week before. This has been a very solid eight quarters of football for the New England defense. And you can harp to the hills, but how every offense they played isn't that good, very inconsistent, whatever you want to call it. But I am confident that they will be able to hold the road against any offense in this league. They may not be able to take a team like the Chiefs and have an, uh, a, a butt fumble-esque or a kick fumble kind of absurdity. But you look at the chemistry they have, the communication, the way that Dante Hightower is controlling the line of scrimmage, the way that the secondary is responsive, the way they can send guys on the zero blitz because they have so much confidence in the secondary to cover guys. And Jarvis Landry and OBJ are legit receivers. I mean, I don't want you to to think otherwise because they are good, good players that were more or less nullified by Stephon Gilmore and Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones as the linebackers and defensive linemen just ate up the Browns' uh, running game once they figured it out. However, I do want to play devil's advocate for, for a second, Rich. Uh, Nick Chubb, besides that two fumbles he had, had a really solid day. 20 carries, 130-some-odd yards, about six yards a carry. Cleveland having a lot of success on those stretch runs, and Nick Chubb was kind of eating them up on the gashes. Uh, are you concerned about that if a really good running back were to come in and, and grind it out and kill the clock, keep Tom Brady off the field? Or is this kind of one of those wet conditions, sloppy play, Nick Chubb's unique talent, and it's not to concern yourself with? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. There are plenty of other talented running backs in the league that could perform a similar sort of function. But you heard some of the players after the game just talk about how Nick Chubb is arguably one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league, as far as it comes with running the ball on the ground. He might not have the all-around game of a Saquon Barkley or uh, you know an Ezekiel Elliott, but Chubb can run just as well as anyone. And he's going to get his. He's going to make his own plays. He's going to make his own yardage. And you see that. And you know what? I'm not too worried because it was sloppy out there. There was a ton of rain. The Patriots were rotating players around on that defensive front. And, uh, you know, the Browns capitalized on it. I'm not going to expect that to happen regularly. And I would expect that, in all honesty, Bill Belichick's probably pretty happy that there's something that he can harp on this defense for because he hasn't had much to complain about over the first seven weeks of the year. No, it's true. Belichick loves when bad things happen and wins, so he can focus on only that, uh, especially after notching his 300th win as a coach. Congrats to Bill Belichick, should you ever listen to this. Pretty remarkable that his first win came against the Patriots as a Cleveland Browns coach, and his 300th win came against the Browns as a Patriots head coach. Pretty crazy. Um, But again, man, I feel like we're just kind of singing the same song every time we get together, Rich. This defense is just absurd. They are doing things I've never seen before. Not only are they stifling the way the kind of Baltimore Ravens and and, uh, 85 bears were but they're turning the ball over at a remarkable rate at least a couple a game um i cannot wait to see what the final numbers are should this when the season comes to a close and exactly how historic this defense is a couple of tough games coming up on the slate like we mentioned but i have every bit of confidence they'll be able to get it done uh however i still don't think the offense looks that good uh sloppy conditions aside 
Even with the Muhammad Sanu acquisition, he, I think he looked good in limited action. Had a fourth down conversion and a 19-yard gain. Very limited uh, playbook for him. But not anything to be super excited about offensively. Um, Brady Edelman's always reliable. Other than that big James White screen pass, it was kind of a mad day for the offense again. Also sloppy conditions, or is it more just the old lines thinking we need to get Nikhil Harry back, need to get Isaiah Wynn back, and, and find some chemistry in the bye week? Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch of things that are question marks or potential issues with this offense. First off, have to acknowledge they are playing super shorthanded. They are down their left tackle. They're down their center. They're down their right guard. Shaq Nathan should hopefully return soon, but Ted Karras is the story for the rest of the year at center, and who knows when Isaiah Wynn will be ready to take the field. That might be a couple more weeks away, so maybe that'll be after the bye week, and you know Marshall Newhouse will have to be the guy at left tackle for at least another game or two. So there are issues with the offensive line, and that causes issues with the running game. And when you don't have that running game, there's that trickle-down effect where opposing defenses don't have to feel like they need to stack the box against the run. They can drop more into coverage, and it makes it more difficult for Tom Brady. So a lot of complementary football question marks for this offense of New England. I would like to highlight that uh, over the past five games, Tom Brady's been pretty bad. Uh, It seems like he's been on the hook for a red zone turnover pretty much every single week dating back to the game against the Buffalo Bills. It feels like, you know, he was lucky that Denzel Ward dropped that interception in the end zone against the Browns. But his five game total for his past five games. So at Bills, at Washington, against the Giants, at Jets in Cleveland, five teams that are not great. There's a couple solid teams in there with the Bills. And then you got about three teams, four teams competing for the first overall pick. So maybe it's just the Bills that are an okay team. But Brady has thrown 203 passes. He's completed 63%. So not great, not terrible, but not good. You know, it's just like, or maybe just merely good. Not great, merely good. He's averaging 268 passing yards a game. Again, not great, just good. But he has six touchdowns to four interceptions. Probably could have had more than that. He's been sacked 10 times, average of two a game, and his passer rating is uh, an awful 83.8. And so you can complain all you want about the passer rating statistic, but if we're just highlighting the fact that Tom Brady's production has not been what it has been in the past, I think that's absolutely something to point at. And I don't think it's a, you know, pointing at any sort of decline on his part and more about the fact that the Patriots' offensive cast is probably one of the weakest that we've seen in a while, and that comes with the injuries to the offensive line. It comes with all of the turnover at wide receiver. It comes to the fact that there hasn't been a, any consistency at the tight end or fullback position for the entire year. Julian Edelman is really the only guy that's been there every single week, uh, You know, I guess for uh, receiving purposes. So... I understand that the Patriots are still looking to add another wide receiver before the the trade deadlines. <laughs> they need to do whatever they can to bolster this offense because right now at this state, they are merely good. They're not that Patriots offense that we've come to know and love. They're that offense that you would say, yeah, yeah they're, they're top 10. They're just not like a unanimous top three that they've been regularly. And so that's definitely a cause for concern. Yes, it is. I think there are people that are under the impression that the Nikhil Harry reemergence is going to be this massive kind of cavalry riding in. I'd love to agree with that, and maybe I, I would also admit that I'm wrong, but I just can't see a first-round rookie being the answer. 
at at the offensive woes. Um, it just isn't. The good news is, one thing I think I very strongly believe about Tom Brady in 2019 is I kind of compare him uh, in a weird way to maybe a a all time great first ballot Hall of Fame lights out pitcher for a baseball team who was known for just striking guys out left and right who's getting older and he's kind of lost his fastball a little bit he's not as much control over the ball as he used to have and everyone knows he's kind of riding off into the sunset with his legacy intact but if you need to get three outs in a crucial game you put this guy in there and he will get you three outs i still think tom brady is that guy to a t and he hasn't had to be that guy yet at all this season because the defense is so good He's no longer required to kind of call upon his greatness and have that Brady to Gronk drive he had in the Super Bowl because they don't need to. But I think if there's ever a situation this year when the chips are down, they're down by four with two minutes left, I don't care who's out there. If it's Gunner and Jacoby Myers and nobody else, he will put together a drive. He will find a way to win because he's still got that greatness in him. He doesn't need to put it out all the time now because defense is getting it done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you still see those plays throughout the game you know that pass to Philip Dorsett that was just sublime that pass to Ben Watson and it happens pretty regularly you know and, and there there are moments of lapses and especially in bad weather that I was like oh that arm strength was not there that was a that was a floater uh but it, it wasn't necessarily overly concerning because then he would come right back the next drive and complete a pass that you're like yeah he, he's still got it and I think ultimately at this point this is reminding me a lot of uh, potentially the 2010 Patriots team, where I wouldn't be shocked if for the remainder of the year, the Patriots relied super heavily on their running game. They will hopefully get Isaiah Wynn back soon. They will start taking advantage of the elements, the fact that other teams are a little bit more worn down. And I wouldn't be shocked if New England said, we're just going to run the ball and keep Tom Brady safe, keep him fresh, allow you know the the new receivers on the team with you know Muhammad Sanu, Nikhil Harry to adjust into that offense, expand their roles, and then when it's time for the postseason, opposing teams aren't going to know how to stop this Patriots offense because they'll have the ability to do it through the air, have the ability to do it on the ground, and they'll be complemented by the best defense that we've ever seen in the NFL. Yeah, I mean this bye week's coming at a great time too. I know they got one more game at Baltimore before the bye week, but I think that week ten bye is coming at a perfect time to maybe rest a little bit and also reset the offense, get the guys who are on IR back and acclimated, install more plays for the newer guys, and really come into that second, I guess like the last last fourth of the season, really, really strong. The Patriots always play their best football in November and December, uh, with very few exceptions, which was last year, actually. They weren't they're playing their best football, but they still won the Super Bowl last year, so whatever. Uh, I, I, this is a very typical kind of first-world problem where you're winning games by multiple touchdowns, and your defense is scoring points at will, and you're still worried about the offense because they're not scoring like 40 points a game, and you're so spoiled <laughs> with your quarterback. He's been so great all time that now he's just like a top-five quarterback and not a top-two quarterback. It's some kind of sea change and collapse. It's not. Pats will be fine. Should be a good one this week against Baltimore. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Patriots ranked number one in the league in points per game. So at the end of the day, they are A-OK. They are going to be great. We will break down more about the Patriots against the Ravens on this Thursday podcast, probably break down a little bit of our mid-season awards for the Patriots because, unbelievably, Alec, half the season is in the books. It's been yeah. very, very fast. Uh, hopefully the preseason ends and uh, the real season <laughs> starts for the Patriots. But 
I have no other thoughts on week eight of the NFL season. Alec, it's been pretty straightforward for New England this year. I don't see it, it really changing. Uh, and then we'll have nope. them play the, the real meat of their schedule starting this upcoming week. Do you have any final thoughts? Let you do it, man. All right. Well, until next time, you have a good one. See you, bud. <laughs>